morning, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today's episode is a really fun one. We're so excited. We have Eva Chen with us. I'm so excited. But before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by Night, our favorite pillow in the world. So I have their classic pillow on my bed, and I'm also newly obsessed with their travel pillow. Like, everything they make is just the best. We're going to tell you more about it later in the episode, but if you want to try it out for yourself, go to discovernight.com and use code BOP20 for 20% off. I want to get to this interview, Grace, so let's make highs and lows quick. What is your high this week? Um, My high this week is a little vague, and I hate being vague, but I haven't signed any contracts yet. I have two big things I'm super excited about. One is, if this is any sort of a teaser, it's a partner that I've been dying to work with for a very long time. And the other is about something I might be designing something clothing-wise. So it's been a good week of meetings and like business stuff. I know what both of these are. I'm very excited for them. Yes. What about you? Um, So I have two. So first of all, Eva, who is our guest on today's episode, has been my dream guest since the very beginning of the podcast because she's a huge YA reader. And we started the podcast about YA books. And when we started, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if someday Eva Chen came on the podcast? And now it's happening and I'm freaking out. It's a really fun interview. I feel like I learned so much from her. Then my second thing is that I'm really having a Christmas dream week. Like the Christmas perks I am reaping from this podcast are just above and beyond. So if you're new to the podcast in the past year, you might not know that I love Christmas movies. Love them. We'll watch all of them. Bad, good, doesn't matter. Love the one with Chuvanessa Hudgens. There's another one this year where there's three of her. Oh, my God, no. Can't wait. I like to watch them to make fun of them. Can't wait. So on Monday, I went to the a screening of uh, Last Christmas with Henry Golding and Amelia Clark, and it was wonderful, and I got to meet them. I know. I'm dying. I was invited as well, but it was Monday at 9 a.m., and I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Oh, I was like, sure, absolutely, <laughs> will do. For, for a business meeting, for like a breakfast, would not go into the city at 9 a.m. on a Monday. For a Christmas movie, yes, absolutely would. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about Christmas movies. Also, well, I guess it'll already have happened when this goes live, but the new Rob Lowe Christmas movie comes out on Netflix on Friday, on November 1st. What about on the low front? Um, on the low front, what is my low? Oh, this is really stupid, but it's been really rainy and it's really affecting my, like, work ethic and my personality. Me too, actually. I felt very sluggish. Like after my workout, like I legit needed a nap. Like I feel like extremely, extremely tired. There's something about the combination of working from home and it being rainy that just is, it's kind of depressing. It's really depressing. And I feel like I've been like a little bit mood wise depressed and also like unmotivated, which is not a good combo because we're heading into like my like busy season for the blog. Oh, well. We're just going to do our best, and sometimes our best is not the greatest. Yeah. But it's not – that's not really a real low. It's just this weather. It's so it's so strange. Like rain – like snow doesn't really affect me, but rain, I it really – like it – I also feel like a little achy too. Like my joints hurt, and this is getting – what getting closer to 40 is like. Wow. Yeah. Um, Milo is that – so 
if you listen to our travel episode, you know that everywhere I travel, I bring my own robe and a hair towel. And I left them in Atlanta at our hotel. But they're sending it back to you, right? They are, yeah. Originally, they couldn't find them, and I was really, really bummed. But they found them, and they're FedExing them to me. So, yeah. I mean, it cost $35, but whatever. Yeah. I'm just bummed that I'm an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. But let's get into this interview. Yes. So we're so excited today. We have Eva Chen with us. Hi, Eva. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so excited. So if if anyone out there doesn't know who Eva is, first of all, I don't know who you're following on Instagram, <laughs> but she's the director of fashion partnerships at Instagram, where she acts as the go-between for Silicon Valley in the fashion world. And she's also a children's book author. Yay. She <laughs> writes children's books that use fashion as a way to learn about important feminists throughout history. So her first two books came out last year, and she has a new book out this fall. And previously, she was the editor-in-chief at Lucky Magazine and the beauty and health director at Teen Vogue. And she was one of the youngest editors ever to lead an American magazine. And anecdotally, she's also one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. Oh, stop. Thank you so much. We're so glad to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. I braved midtown traffic for this. Thank you. That's that's not a minor thing. It's a little bit of a beast. No, we really appreciate it. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, Eva, so we introduced you, but can you tell us a little bit in your own words about who you are. It is always so awkward to be introduced to hear yourself like talked about like that. Um, well, I grew up here in New York City. Uh, I have two kids that pretty much exhaust me 24 hours a day <laughs> and occupy like way too much of my mind, even when I'm at work. And um, I work at Instagram, as you said, but my like more than side hustle, which I probably shouldn't be saying on a podcast, but like my more than side hustle is writing these children's books, which is really like a dream of mine come true. Um, the first one was called Juno Valentine and the Magical Shoes, and it came out about a year ago. And then I came out with a companion book called A is for Awesome, which is like an alphabet book for kids of 23 like amazing women from Oprah. Every book of mine is like going to need to have Oprah, basically. <laughs> Oprah, Malala, um, Emmeline Pankhurst, who was a really important suffragette in England. Um, and the newest book, Juno Valentine and the Fantastic Fashion Adventure, comes out at the end of October. We're so excited. Yeah. Is it weird that I'm excited about it, even though I'm not a child and I don't have kids? You know what's really funny? Like, I will go to, uh, like, on book tour last year. I just assumed that, like, for a children's book, book tour, it'd be, like, all kids and kind of tired, yogurt-covered moms. But it would be really interesting at every single book tour stop, there would literally be like 50% moms covered in yogurt and then 50% like 25-year-olds in like cute Reformation dresses. And like, <laughs> oh, I yeah, love it. People know. are just excited yeah. to meet you. Yeah. And, and yeah. like so um, – and the questions would always vary from like a three – like a five-year-old asking me what my favorite snack was or my favorite color gum- gummy bear to a 25-year-old who's like, what should I do with my career? Should I dump this guy? Um, <laughs> and so it's really great to have equal parts. Um, my Instagram like, you know, ride or die followers mm-hmm. and then this generation of like young kids and hopefully their moms discovering the books. Yeah. I love that. So we wanted to have you talk a little bit about your career path and kind of where how you got to where you are today. Oh, I mean, I really think a lot of it has been like um, very, very like just all over the place. I have to say, like looking back at my career, 
I never had like a set plan of what I wanted to be when I grew up or who I would be. I grew up here in New York City as um, a first-generation American child of immigrants. Um, I went to an all-girls school here in New York City that I felt like really um, helped instill a sense of um, women can do anything. Like, and I shouldn't have any kind of preconceived notions of what a woman could or couldn't do. I went to Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore to study medicine because I always just thought, I don't know, the immigrant experience is that like parents, immigrant parents often want their kids to do something really stable, almost as like a reaction to the instability they might have uh, encountered when they moved here. Um, And so I always thought like acceptable careers would be like doctor, banker, lawyer, engineer. Totally. I grew up in the same way. And, you know, I didn't even realize that careers existed outside of that. Exactly. Like, and so, um, so I was pre-med at Johns Hopkins. And then one summer I did an internship at, um, Harper's Bazaar and, I had applied. I had a really bad like strategy. I basically applied to every internship at a company that I'd heard of. And so <laughs> every company from like MTV to like you know Random House because I'd seen the Random House logo on the back of all the books I loved. Um, and so basically, I got an internship at Harper's Bazaar that paid three hundred three hundred and fifty dollars every two weeks. Oh my god, that's like. But that's unheard of getting paid in a magazine. Well, yeah, but back then, back then, right? And like, I was just like, this is an ungodly sum of money. Like, you know, (laughs) which for I think I was twenty at the time. I was just like, what am I going to do with all this money? Like, spend it all at Joshua Tree and Tonic. Like, oh my gosh! (laughs) So I went to um, work there, and it was like this like flame had ignited in my like heart and brain that was like, I can't believe people do this like they put words together they it's the book editor's job to read books for a living and so I was split between assisting the features editor who was doing a lot of the book reviews and the beauty department um and the books department like you know most of what I was doing was just organizing books which sounds like not fun but truly is fun like oh my god I love organizing my books yeah and every day when you're like you get one of those like you know paper cardboard mailers and then you tear the tab and you pull uh-huh. out a book and then you read the press release and then I would have to write on the spine that like the month and like the year it was coming out um, and then kind of organize it in the way the book editor liked it to be organized and then the other half of my job was working in beauty which I always always loved not because I was particularly like it's the opposite of inept apt not because I had any particular aptitude for beauty like I mean, you guys are seeing me now I'm not like wearing <laughs> any makeup I'm like tired whatever well, you're but, certainly doing something on the skincare side because yeah, your skin I'm, looks great I'm all about that skin I loved your life. makeup tutorial on Instagram the oh, other day really where bad. you were like no but that's how mine are too like I feel like it's just like stuff that regular people can relate to I, I like it was like at one point I think I was like whatever it's fine like you can't <laughs> my eyeliner literally is like wobbling off my face into my hairline but I just I it need still to go. looks good yeah <laughs> um and so I that's kind of what started my passion and love for, you know, writing and kind of put all the connected all these dots, which I don't think is the case for kids these days. Not to say kids like they're kids, but like I think there's so much so many more ways to research, including like, you know, mediums like this, um, you know, this conversation we're having where people can learn about different opportunities. You can follow authors on Instagram. You can follow vets on Instagram, whatever you're interested in. Yeah. You can find it. Um through if you research, but back then it's like you couldn't do that. Um, and so I worked in magazines for like a decade. I started in um, where did I start? I started at Lucky in the fashion closet. I only worked there for a few weeks because it was like freelance, mm-hmm. freelance. 
uh, because it was freelance. And then I got a job at Elle magazine. I worked there for three years and I worked for teen, a teen Vogue for seven years Then I took some time off because, um, my husband is a producer and he was doing a project out in LA. And so we moved to LA together for six months. I figured like YOLO, this is before people said YOLO, but YOLO. Same sentiment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever. And then I moved to LA, lived there for a few months and came back to um, work on Lucky and worked at Lucky for like a year and a half or so. And then had my daughter and then um, left Lucky, had this amazing opportunity to work at Instagram. And that is my career in a nutshell. Well, I'm so inspired. Also, the fact that you had been in magazines and you decided to make a career change because I think so many people are deterred where after you're 25, you can't. 25? I don't know. Oh, my God. I feel like I, when I mean, people have, are 25, they're like – I know. I'm like, you you, was, you can change. It's fine. People you're going to be really, okay. Um, hung up on like not being able to change after a certain point but we had linda no. wells on and she was like i changed oh careers God. at 50 i'm obsessed with linda wells oh, we too. love her what like i mean just amazing um but i feel like the people who are freaking out the hardest about it are on the younger side of the oh spectrum. totally they're yeah. like oh my god my career and i'm like girl you're 24 years old yeah like, basically my perspective is before the age of 30 like you need to not freak out about your career Agreed. You you just like – you don't know. Like if you do a job from like 22 to 24 and you hate it, guess what? You start again when you're 24 and you do a job from 24 to 26. You like are meh about it. Like guess what? Get another job. Like it's – I don't know. I think it's because I've been everything from pre-med to – like I worked at a a law firm called Cravath, Swain & Moore for like a year in corporate – mergers and acquisitions because I thought when I couldn't get a job in magazines when I graduated, I was like, eh, I'll go to law school, you know? And then I've just like, I've worked in, I interned in PR. I like have done consulting in um, kind of digital content creation. Like I've done so many different things and none of the things that I've loved the most were not planned. Like I never went into like, like, you know, the magazine industry being like, I want to be an editor in chief one day. Cause I also feel like the more you plan something like, like, the more it'll get derailed and like the harder you'll fall. Not like I don't want to make some sort of like, like, you know, mythology analogy of like Icarus or something. But like, basically it's like the more you plan, like the more like it's meant to be derailed. Um, And that's the same thing. Like to use an analogy for the moms listening, like everyone, like when you, um, do you, either of you guys have kids? No. Okay. There's this thing called like a birthing plan. And so basically when people are pregnant, people, some women will come up to you and be like, oh, what's your birth plan? Oh, and that's, that's literally so stressful. Like, what an invasive question also. I know, yeah. but, uh, but it's like first they'll touch your stomach without asking you and then they'll be like, what's your birth plan? And a birth plan is a document that you create that basically is like this is how I want my birth to go. And literally, like, when I heard that, I literally like, – like my eyes rolled so far back into the back of like my cranium. I was like – Birth plans do not work. They do not exist because basically it's not up to you. Right. And I feel yeah. the same way about like like your career. It's not fully in your hands. Of course, there are things you can optimize. You can work your ass off. You can um, have a good attitude. Yeah. Like you can help other people, which like helps – when you help other people, like I believe in karma and like what goes around comes around, blah, blah, blah. But like there are things you can optimize for. But like the dream job coming to you – it might not come exactly when you want it. It might come when you are in what you think is another dream job. You just have to be open to it. And the universe will like, not to sound super, super new age, but the universe will kind of fill in the blanks. Oh, I totally believe that. I couldn't <coughs> agree more. 
But wait, how did this latest new career come around of writing children's books? How did you decide to do that? Well, that like, honestly, like my whole life has been like just kind of a dream wish situation. I remember being in the fourth grade and I think I was reading like babysit. Maybe I was reading babysitters club at the time when I was like eight or seven. Um, just like loving it and being like, this is like, I just like love to read and I see that trait in my daughter now. She'll sit with books. She can't read yet. She's, but she like tells, once I read her the story once, she reads it back to herself, like could be like a hundred times. And I just always loved to read and I would travel with my mom. My mom would take me to places like Seoul or Taipei um, or even like, you know, like LA or Chicago. And she always was like, as long as you have books, like I can take you anywhere because I would just sit there and read. She'd be in these like two hour meetings and I'd be sitting there reading and then trying to like rewrite my version of a book in like a composition, those Mm -hmm. black and white marble composition notebooks. Um, And I think what really kind of spurred me to it like, and finally made these dreams a reality is like, well, first of all, I have this like book agent who, when I was at Teen Vogue, this like woman just reached out to me and was like, you know, you should really write like a beauty advice book. Her name is Kate Hoyt. She's like amazing. Um, and if she's listening to this, yes, Kate, I will like work on that other proposal for you. Um, <laughs> and so basically she was like, you should write this book of essays, um, you know, about beauty and fashion and working at a magazine. And I was like, sure. And so what happened, and that must have been in like 2010. It was like a long time ago, pretty much a decade ago. And basically every year she would email me and be like, how's that proposal coming along? And I would be like, it's great. I haven't started. And she'd be like, oh my God, Eva Chen, like why did I ever sign you? And then basically three years, uh, two years ago, I emailed her and was like, Kate, I have this book idea. I wrote the, I, I wrote the proposal already. Mm-hmm. And she could hear her like dropping to her knees and crying through like, <laughs> like not even, it was, I think it was like over text message. And then I was like, and she was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see it. And I was like, it's a children's book. And she was like, it's like, you know, the on text message, dot, 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 dot. Yeah. You could tell she was like processing it. And I was like, but Kate, this is like actually my dream come true. And she was like, okay. I could hear her trying to salvage the situation because she had already like had like five or six editors like say like they were interested in like a book of essays. Um, and so I've had this, like, I don't know, like in 2016, everything going on in the world, especially here in the U.S., um, was a lot for me to process emotionally. And like also the th- I had just had, like my daughter was about two years old or two and a half years old at, at the time. And I was coming to terms with the fact that like a lot of the things that I had taken for granted, like the fact that I always felt like, you know, women should be a president, could mm-hmm. be a senator, could be, a, you know, like uh, in space or do this or do that or why not a woman? I was coming to terms with the fact that like A, not everyone believed that and B, not everyone hears that. Like not every child hears that. Yeah. And so for me, I really wanted to write this book. Um, I always had the kernel of an idea um, for Juno, but then I really wanted to to write a book that kind of reinforced that notion that young people – should try on a lot of different personas, can fail, but also like remember like you do, you can choose what you want to be and you should kind of like paint your own future and destiny. Um, and this is all like super, super heavy for those of, like when you guys pick up the actual book, it's very light and like bubbly and like kids love it because of the illustration style that my illustrator Derek Desierto did. It's like amazing. Um, and um, 
I don't know. It just, it really was a dream come true to, to write this book and to come out with this book. Um, and the response to, to it has been so, um, you know, gratifying. And one of the, the, the most amazing things I work at Instagram, but I'm not just saying this is like to be able to see people and kids respond to it in real time. And so people will like send me videos and they'll tag the book and I'll see moms reading it to their kids. Like a few moms have sent me videos of their kids, like saying like, Oprah Winfrey <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or um, saying things like, you know, like um, Marie Curie or ya- like one Japanese mom sent me a video of her daughter saying Yayoi Kusama holding up the book. And like I literally I like cry when that happens. And I make so many moms uncomfortable at the playground because they'll come up to me and be like, oh, like my daughter loves your book. And then like I'm just so happy because writing a book actually you don't really realize it. I didn't realize it at the time, but like a year ago right around this time, two weeks before my book came out, every night on the dot, I was waking up at like 3 or 4 a.m. because I was like just so anxious about the book coming out. Like how would people respond to it? Would they like it? I just felt like super vulnerable about it because I think every other job I've had, my my name is part of a masthead, whether it's Elle Magazine, Teen Vogue, Lucky. And if people didn't like it, it was a reflection sure of my writing or the particular article I wrote, they objected to the way I described this actress or whatever. But this book is like a pure product of me. Mm-hmm. And so I was really worried about it. Um, but now I'm still worried about it. <laughs> Let's be <laughs> that real. That probably never goes um, away. But it is definitely better just because I've had the feedback from parents. And I go to um, – there are th- three or four bookstores in New York City that I pretty much – am on a constant rotation at and I'll go and I'll personalize the books. I sign books so that they always always have signed copies and I can see the books moving and what they're like, which book they're responding to around what season. Um, Which bookstores? I go to the strand Mm -hmm. um, because it's a few blocks away from my office. Um, I do it at books of wonder, which is um, just around the corner from where I live in the Flatiron district. And that's like, if for those of you guys who haven't been to that bookstore, it's like a children's only bookstore. Okay. It's really a magical place. They do story time all the time. It's like the kind of place where you walk in, there's always a kid that you trip over because they're just sitting (laughs) in the aisles, you know, like, um, reading and they encourage that i go to um books are magic in brooklyn Mm -hmm. and then stories um in brooklyn which is another kid forward um, bookstore and then there are bookstores around the u i go to u.s like i go to san francisco a lot for work um and so there's a bookstore called the reading bug which is another children's bookstore in san carlos which is right by the facebook office so anytime i go to facebook or instagram if I like schedule allowing, I'll pop by. They're open until eight, and I'll go and I'll talk to like talk to the booksellers, and then I always end up spending like an hour there and buying presents for my kids and looking <laughs> to see what's new. Yeah, um, I really love children's books. Like people will be like, "Have you read?" And it'll be something like, "I mean, this is so like five years ago, but like Goldfinch, right? Like or six years ago, I don't remember when yeah. it came out." And people were like, "Oh, Goldfinch, so incredible!" And I'll be like. Yes, but I'm rereading The Babysitter's Club <laughs> and – or I'm rereading Amelia Bedelia or I'm reading a book called like, you know, Percy Jack. well, I'll put, everyone knows Percy Jackson, but like I'm rereading Percy Jackson or Ender's Game and people will be like, huh. Um, but I, I really love the medium of like children's books and like teen books as well because it's just like – they're maybe I'm like – they're written a little bit more like um, – like they're written for impressionable minds and the yeah, message yeah. is sometimes like – I don't know, like the message is more clear mm-hmm. and I like like the kind of like purpose-driven writing, I yeah. guess. 
A lot of people asked us if you'd ever write a YA novel. And one of the things that I know I at least associate with your Instagram is always finding out, like, the best new YA trilogies from you. Yeah, I'm obsessed with YA. Like, I love YA. Um, I cannot write YA <laughs> right now. <laughs> Maybe when I'm, like, fake retired. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like I know a lot of YA authors from, like, Sarah Mass to, like, Lee Bardugo, who wrote the amazing, like, Six of Crows, like, mm -hmm. duology and, like, the Siege of the Storm She trilogy. has a new adult book out that's She sure really does. Good. Ninth House. It's Ugh. on my, like, bed's, like nightstand. So good. Have you read it yet? Yeah. Okay. So I'm super excited. I can't wait to read that um, one. It's on my nightstand as well. I'm reading um, this book called Save Me the Plums by Ruth <gasps> Reichel. Oh I don't know how to pronounce it. Is that how you pronounce her name? R Reichel. Reichel. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. It's so good. Of course, like, utmost respect. All the Condé Nast gossip in it is really, it's so good. <laughs> really great. Um, and so I'm reading that right now, and I literally want to, like, reach out to her and be like, hey, from one former Condé editor to another, let's hang out and please cook for me. <laughs> like, um, I love it. I love I'm that I'm dying book. to get her on the podcast. Yeah, she's, do That it. book was my favorite do book it. I've read all year. It's just, like, she's an exceptional writer, and that's Agreed. what it comes down to. I want to um, read all her books now. Yeah. I, I've read one of one other, like, maybe – I have one other of them, maybe like Tender at the at the Bone or something like I think that's like what it's that. called. Um, but I don't know, like something recently just like spurred me to, oh, I know. I'm like, something spurred me. An Instagram follower spurred me. <laughs> yeah. Someone was like, we just read this book and we thought you would like it. And then I like, like was like, okay, ordering it right now. Um, and so, um, well, yeah, YA. So I know a lot of YA authors and basically like, like the ability to whip up uh, this entire universe galaxy, especially if it's like, you know, science fiction or fantasy based, like, I just don't know that I'm my, I have headspace to do that yeah. right now. Um, but I definitely want to write like a chapter book for, okay. for like yeah. seven year olds. Your and books can grow with yeah, your daughter. Exactly. My books can grow with my kids. Um, I want to write a book for the second book for Juno Valentine, uh, Juno Valentine and the Fantastic Fashion Adventure has um, Juno's little brother is introduced. I want to write a book for him. Okay. Um, I want to write a book about like Juno's older sister. I don't want to re reveal her name yet, but like I have a whole older sister kind of idea. So building out like, excuse the pun, like the Junoverse, like okay. is really <laughs> important to me um, because I have those ideas. Like they're in here. I just need like to write them. You yeah. Know? Well, wait, how do you find the time to write? Like what? When are you doing this? Yeah, you're so busy. I um, find the time to write the first Juno book, um, Juno Valentine and the Magical Shoes. I wrote um, when I was I had like the outline for it, mm -hmm. and then I wrote it. I was visiting my husband's family. They live in um, th the English countryside, basically, and I wrote it. Um, like, have you guys seen the movie The Holiday? Yes, okay. of course. So, like, I had this, like, notion of me, like, going to, like, the, the, this house and, like, staring out the window and the snow was falling over, like, a bucolic English countryside. I, but then, like, I traveled with my two kids and basically, like, one was vomiting on me. The other one was, like, climbing on me. And so every day I would trek out to this cafe in the small town they live in and sit and, like, have, like, a baked potato with, like, <laughs> like beans and cheddar cheese and coleslaw, which is a British thing. It's called a jack. A potato. It's delicious. That I like sounds me. great. I now need to eat that like for dinner. Um, and I, I wrote that book in like a week and a half. And then before, of course, all the editing and all the other right. stuff. My writing right now tends to happen between 9 and 11 p.m. Like when I'm 
not on vacation because right. that's the only time I have to do it. And then a lot of the illustration back and forth with the illustrator, with Derek, um, would happen on weekends and also because he lives in LA, uh, in Vancouver. And so like on LA time, Pacific time. And so it had to be after 9 p.m. when he yeah. was home from work because he works as well. Yeah. Let's take a quick break from a word from one of our sponsors. Okay. Let's talk about Night Pillow. You know them. You know that we love them. I think we probably have some new folks with us for this episode because of Eva. So quick refresher on the Night Pillow. The Night Pillow is our favorite pillow. It's a memory foam pillow with a silk pillowcase. So the pillow is really, really comfortable and it doesn't lose shape throughout the night. And then the silk case is great for your skin and your hair. But we have some really major news, and I have some shopping to do. They now have colored pillowcases, which is a big deal. The original night pillow has a black case, which is great because it helps block out light. And honestly, I mean, it hides mascara smears. But they just launched six new colored pillowcases, and they're so pretty. This is a huge deal. So right now, I hide my night pillow under a pile of other pillows because it doesn't match my bedding, and then I take it out when it's time to sleep. But now that they have colored cases, I'm definitely going to get the blue one, which matches my bedding. And I can finally night pillow with pride. I mean, I guess I talk about it all the time, so I probably already night pillow with pride, but with more pride. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm definitely going to get the champagne colored one for sure. Um, And I'm already starting to think about this as holiday gifts. So I just want to plant the seed right now that the night pillow would make an awesome holiday gift. It is a little bit pricey, but for someone that like you, someone special, it's a great present. So I got them for my parents for my mom's birthday and for Father's Day. So those are right around the same time. And I was I was a gifting hero. So this is perfect for someone who's hard to buy for, like my dad or like your, oh, your in-laws. Yeah, in-laws. We were joking around with the night girls that this is like the best thing to get like your mother-in-law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like nice, but everyone would like it. Yes. Yeah. It would it would be a really amazing holiday gift. Or you could put it on your holiday wish list and tell somebody else that you want a night pillow. Yes. Yeah. Or for somebody who travels a lot, I feel like the travel pillow or the sleep mask would both be really good for gifts. So I have a night sleep mask that I keep in my suitcase at all times just so it's in there so that if I'm in a weird hotel situation and there's too much light in the room, I'm prepared. Like that's one of my travel essentials. So basically everyone is getting a night pillow for Christmas. Yeah. If you want to grab yourself a night pillow or stock up for the holidays, you should definitely use our code. You can get 20% off your order with code BOP20 at discovernight.com. So again, go to discovernight.com and take 20% off with code BOP20. Also, you should probably throw in some sheet masks because those are also really great. They have gold in them. Seriously. Okay, back to the episode. Well, wait, how did you choose the women that were featured in the first Juno Valentine book? There were so many. Oh my gosh, it was really hard. And I imagine that's something that I'm grateful for because, like, we're living there. Like, I got, I did get some like DMs that were like, why didn't you cover this woman or that woman? And it's like, there were only so many pages you have because one of the things that people don't realize about children's books and now, like, picture books in particular, is that they're a set format. There's mm-hmm. literally a formula to it in terms of number of pages. So it's usually either, I don't remember, 34, 36 pages, but like the cover is included as a page. So okay. the cover, the back cover, the inside of the cover, the outside of the cover, mm-hmm. that's like eight pages or no, four pages right, right. there. Then the yeah. dedication, by the time you get to it, you only have 20 something pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you want a book to breathe. You want it to have like a cadence and not like feel like it's like crammed in or too many words, especially. Um, and so I chose the first batch of women based on just women I know that like whose stories really resonated with me and I wanted it to be eclectic. So um, Yayoi Kusama as an artist, of course, like very visually striking. And I knew Mm -hmm. Derek would like have a lot of fun illustrating her to women in science like Marie Curie, to like an editor like Anna Wintour, um, to Serena Williams, uh, Sally Ride, who was one of the first American women to go into space or first women to go into space, period. Um, And so I had a lot of fun choosing the women. The reason why we did such a fast follow with the board book, um, so the first Juno book came out at at basically November 4th, Mm -hmm. I think the date was, and then we came out with the board book in February. That's like a four-month difference. But I was able to churn out that board book because I had so many like like extra women from the the picture book. And so – and then I had so many women from – like the picture, the board book left over that I was like, oh, like, and then as I started doing research, like, like I would start learning about amazing women. Like there was this pirate queen named Grace O'Malley who basically like no one's heard of. And I really want like Lee Bardugo or someone to write like a YA book would read. about her. Totally. And would so read she that. basically was this pirate queen who um, was just like, I, I very rarely use the word badass because mm-hmm. I feel like it's been commoditized and it's like slightly cheesy, but she's like super badass. Like she negotiated with Queen Elizabeth for the release of her son. She like, you know, fought off like all these like pirate attacks. What? What? Like we don't know about this woman. Come on. So like Grace O'Malley is like a really prominent figure in uh, the newest Juno book, but we also have women like Michelle Obama. Of course. Like, you got to include Michelle Obama, right? Absolutely. And then, like, Simone Biles, who, like, I just admire so much. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the, the the latest book. And then, like, after we sent it off to the printer, like, one week later, she did that crazy, like, um, performance that, like, was set every single record in history. And I was like, yes, I chose the right woman. And so um, it's hard to choose, but – I hope that like every year there's more women where we can be like, oh, she would be great. And I also keep wanting to draw in more um, international figures as well. Yeah. So it sounds like there's more books in the works. Um, not not a no. Not a no, not a yes. That's okay. Yeah. I'll take that. But I'm curious, did you take inspiration from Ren, your daughter, when you were yeah, writing Juno's character? Definitely Ren um, is like, I mean, it's so weird and to say this, but she's just such like an inspiring figure for me mm-hmm. at all times. Like I am like four, I'm 10 times old. Like she's four, I'm 40. So I'm like 10 times older than her. But literally like I look at her and I'm like, I hope she stays this like brave and confident and like weird and great always. She's really good at mixed prints. She's going to inspire me to like wear polka dots, <laughs> stripes, and like maybe like, like a, like a dinosaur legging. I don't know. But um, definitely I think like, when I was coming up with Juno and when I was working on the illustrations for Juno, it was really important that Derek and I create a character that didn't feel like one-sided or just like adorable and cute or like too sticky sweet. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of like children's books, it's like super saccharine, yeah. right? Like the girl's adorable. She's like a princess and she always has like, you know, she's always smiling. And like, if you look at Juno and one of the things that was really important to me is like in all of the Juno books, like, there's a variety of expressions. Juno's not always like cute. Like she's furrowing her brow. She looks angry in some pictures. Like actually with the second book, A is for Awesome, we had a lot of spirited debates about Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the cover because for RBG, like 
the first round of illustrations I got from Derek, like RBG was smiling and I'm like, girl, I've never seen RBG <laughs> smiling. Like we need to make her look like more stern. Like we yeah. need to make her look like she's about to like, she is dissenting the hell out of the cover. And so, <laughs> but that's always been my thing where it's like, I don't want girls to feel like they always have to be like on and pretty and right. cute. And I really think kids internalize that message from the age of three or four. Like, so all often when I'm reading books to Ren, like all like when there are characters with different emotions, I'll be like, do you think that bear is happy or sad? Do you think this like, you know, fox is like angry? Why do you think they're angry? Because I think that understanding emotions and being able to process emotions is really important. Does she think it's so cool that she has a character that's modeled a little bit after her? Um, no. Oh, man. I think sometimes, like sometimes, I guess, like we were um, – we when she sees Gino Valentine in a window or somewhere, she's always like, "Look, mommy, Gino Valentine!" And then like, I'm always like, "Oh my god!" And she's like, <laughs> "Why is mommy so excited?" Um, we like I mentioned when I was walking in that we're going through this like you know school admissions process, which is basically like it's harder to get a kid into school kindergarten in New York City than college. Like I really would rather be applying to college right oh, now. Oh, I know one of our friends saying that she's trying to get her daughter into a twos program, and she's like, "It's, it's hard. insane! It's insane!" Twos, I would say, like what's tough about it is that it has nothing to do with honestly tell your friend it doesn't have a lot to do with the kid i feel like they're just looking for a kid who's like can play with other kids a lot of it is on parents but what's hard about kindergarten is that they're like testing things like logic and analytical skills i'm like they're four like right you know and also i was a very late bloomer and so for my daughter like i think she isn't as going to be as late of a bloomer as me but like I don't know. Anyway, so we were at one of the schools and like my daughter was like, look, Juno Valentine. And it was in the library and it made me so happy. And yeah. I like teared up and then it was awkward. <laughs> like, and then the person was like, are you okay? And I was like, I wrote this book and every time I see it out in the wild, it's just an emotional response. And people are like, okay. But really like I'm – I just like – and I'm trying to remember what author told me this. Another author – maybe it was like Jody Pico. Mm-hmm. Like, do you guys read her books? Yes, like, love her. Amazing. She gave me advice. She, she makes was, me cry every book. Yes. Oh. So when I met her, I literally was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I would freak oh, out. Oh. Like really like so excited. Like I get – I mean like I'm trying to think who else I would nerd out over meeting. Like I met – like my whole life has been building up to meeting Oprah. Like Oprah – like You met Oprah. I met Oprah last year. Or, I was going to say you – And it was the best moment of my life besides like getting married, having kids, whatever, like all the other milestones. <laughs> but really like – I don't know. I had been building it up in my head for like, I don't know, like 20 years and when right. I finally met her. What was but that like? It was like just surreal because I was in Paris. I was at fashion show, like Stella McCartney that morning. And she was at the Stella McCartney show. And she was kind of sitting, not where exactly where you were sitting, but like across the runway from me and maybe like 10 seats down. Mm-hmm. And the whole show, I'm supposed to be looking at the clothes. Sorry, Stella. But I was like staring at her, like maybe like a crazy person. <laughs> And when the show ended, I, like, literally, like, jumped over six people, maybe shoved a small, like, child out of the way (laughs) to try to get to her. But then, like, Lewis Hamilton, the race car driver, Mm -hmm. got in the way. And I'm not, like, a rude person. I was like, God damn it, Lewis. Like, and and then I didn't want to interrupt because I'm not that person. I also didn't want to be the person who would, like, awkwardly hang around because I, like, had other places to go to and, like, things to do and I – whatever. So I got into my – car and I like went back to my hotel and at the whole time I'm kind of like well I like breathe the same air as her that's exciting like you know 
whatever. And I walked into, I like was going back to my hotel on the way to like my next thing. Cause I had to like go to the bathroom. And so I was like, I'll just go back to my hotel. And I walked into my hotel and just sitting in the lobby. Oh my gosh. Fake. I know. Serendipity. And I literally was like standing there. I'm holding my phone and I'm like typing to like Derek Desierto, my illustrator, who's also obsessed with her, like in the about Derek kind of section of any kind of thing we do together. It's always like his goal in life is to meet Oprah. Like that's one of the first things we oh bonded over. And so I'm sitting there texting and it was like, and I could like, I, if I had just reached far enough or I like knocked over one more person to try to meet her, I probably could have met her. And then I stopped and I was like, <gasps> and I like audibly made that sound. <laughs> And she literally, I mean, she's used to dealing with crazy sure. fans. Yeah. Um, and, but I was like, I'm so sorry. I never do this. And she was like, but you are. And I was like, I swear, I swear. Like, I know Gail. I don't really know Gail, but Gail and I have DM'd like once. Sure. You know, so I kind so of know her. So you guys are best friends. Yeah, so we're BFF. And so, and Gail, like, you know, I have done interviews with Gail and she's like wonderful. And um, and so um, I was like, I swear I'm normal. Like, I love you. And I, look, I put you on the cover of my book. And so I showed her like A is for awesome. She loved it. And she was like, do you have the book on you? And literally, I almost always carry a copy of my book. Oh, like, no. I have one in my bag right now. Like literally, Just like, in case you meet Oprah again. Yeah. I literally was like, this is the one time in my life I don't have my book. And she was like, oh, I would have taken a picture holding your book. And oh, I was my like, God. Damn oh. it. And she was like, and but then she did. She was like, give me your phone. And she was like, A is for, she did it in her Oprah, A is for awesome. And I like started crying. I literally I like, like, I literally like, like was like, ah. I could feel feel every neuron and synapse in my brain just like yeah. firing on all cylinders. <laughs> um, and so it was one of the most exciting moments of my life. And then when she hugged me, she it was just like. I just about like died and went to heaven. It was like being hugged by like I imagine like a strong, empowering like cloud of wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. So yeah. Anyway, we could just like spend the next hour talking about Oprah. I don't know how we got to Oprah, but every Oprah's conversation a kind great of place to be. like converges on Oprah. Yeah, absolutely. No, Oprah's always the, the destination. Yeah, I'm listening yeah. to her um, like uh, podcast with Eckhart Tolle, Tolle mm-hmm. right now. I just started it last night. How is it? Well, I listened to it for like two minutes and then I fell asleep because I I, I don't like – I always try to like not um, look at a screen before I fall asleep. Yeah. So it's usually at like 11 o'clock at night mm-hmm. and I made it through two minutes but it was like very life-affirming, those two okay. minutes, just hearing her voice. <laughs> like It's like ASMR for me. You know, yeah. some people watch yeah. like slime videos or like, you know, listen to soothing voices. I just like have Oprah. I listen to those um, Headspace sleep casts. They tell you like a oh, bedtime yeah. story. They're great. I okay. fall asleep within five minutes. Okay. Yeah. I do this app called Breathe, which I think oh, is similar. Yeah. And it's like yeah. this woman named Jamie who's like. Oh, I do that same one. The oh, yeah. body scan one. Yeah. Love where Jamie. it's like first mm-hmm. feel your left calf. Yep. <laughs> release it. Yep. And then it's like. <laughs> I'm, yep. I'm out. Absolutely. Can we switch gears yes. into. We have a category of questions that is called advice, but I think it's our grab bag category. Okay. So somebody – we crowdsourced these and somebody asked – and this is their words, not mine. It said, it feels like you've got a really nice balance. How do you do it all? Balancing work and life and two small children. Uh, balance kept coming up like over and over again. I'm curious how you feel about the phrase doing it all. Yeah. I feel like – well, you know, a lot of – I get asked that question a lot and I think that the – I get asked that question a lot and I think the first thing is that – um Balance is a myth and it's like 
Yeah. I don't want to say it's like a construct from blah, blah, blah. But it's kind of like if you think about a scale, for instance, like and I'm talking not talking about a weight scale, but like a Libra style scale. Mm-hmm. It's only ever like truly balanced and like equal on both sides, like for a moment before it switches to one side or the other. And so I feel like letting go of like what really balance means. Like I haven't worked out in like months. The other day I re- like did a city bike in New York, like, you know, to get from one place to another. And I was like out of breath, like literally I haven't worked out in months. Like, um, I just started getting like facial. Oh, I just started washing my face with cleanser again at night instead of just using cleansing water. This was like a big life step for me. Uh, so I feel like letting go of the idea that you, I also hate the phrase like you can have it all because it like all means different things to different people, right. yeah. you know? Um, for some, all is like career and like a, you know, a spouse or a partner. For other people, all is like family and like not a career, right. but like travel. Like people optimize for different things. So I think the way I tend to kind of achieve or get as much done as possible versus like having it all or balancing it is um, first of all, like I'm really lucky that I have like a really supportive husband, Tom, who, um, like right now I'm usually home by six mm-hmm. and then like, you know, intensely playing with my children and like trying to pry out of them what they're doing with like, <laughs> you know, at school or whatever, or playing hide and seek. Well, thank you for being here with us um, at 630 right he, now. So. Like he's so supportive and knows that like writing and, you know, writing these children's books in particular is like a dream for me. Um, my parents live in New York, which I like, you know, very close by and so they're really active and involved and I can always pinch hit um I have a nanny I don't talk about her a lot because she's um very private mm-hmm. uh but you know I wouldn't be able to do the things I do and travel you know with or without my kids without her um and so I think a lot of it is like I, I think women feel like especially that they shouldn't have to sacrifice anything but I do feel like being able to compromise on certain things and knowing things are temporary, I think is really important. So yeah. like I know sooner or later I will start doing physical fitness activities again. <laughs> Why do I sound so awkward? I don't know. Um, I know at some point like I'll be able to like my, my hairstylist is like, oh, try to come back every like four weeks to get like, you know, for your, so your hair to be precise. It's been like two months and I like have been emailing and trying to find time. It's just like and I think that the most important thing, the way I have it all, quote unquote, or balance it, is knowing that things are going to fall through the cracks and having to forgive myself a bit for it and not like obsess over it. Yeah. That's like a non answer, but it's true. It's a very real answer, I it's think. Like, it's just too hard. Like, and I, and it's also easier to look from the outside. And I try really hard to be transparent on my Instagram that like when I'm having a hard time or I'm feeling overwhelmed, which, I also think that's one of the things that hurts us, especially as women, is that sometimes we don't want to talk about what's hard for us because we don't want to be seen as ungrateful or complaining, et cetera. Um, But I think the more that people know that you're having a hard time, the more realistic you – like, you know, like it's it's helpful for me to know that like – someone like Jenny Han also two weeks before her book comes out is like anxious or that the way she's able to write is she goes on writer's retreats and like focuses completely on it. Um, It's just like, it's good to know context. And so I try to be really transparent on my Instagram and 
even if like sometimes people are like, oh, you complain too much, which like I don't really think I complain that much. But like if I'm tired, I'm going to say I'm tired. Like I don't want to be like, I feel great and like faking it if I'm like tired and sick and miss my kids. And I was in Mexico City like a few days ago and the altitude is like – I had no idea the altitude of Mexico City is like Denver. And so I was out of breath the whole time. I have asthma. And then I also was just like tired and I was coming off like seven or eight cities in like 18 days, like including like two really quick – two quick stops back in New York to spend time with my kids. I was just kind of like homesick. But I think acknowledging it while acknowledging, yes, I'm like super grateful that I'm able to like do these things and go to these things and see these people and see these amazing places. But actually like when I was in Mexico City, like I didn't see the city. Mm -hmm. I literally like landed, was in conference rooms, conference centers, like hotel conference rooms. Like I, but I try to depict that and like be really honest about stuff like that. I think that's really important. One of the things we always do is on the podcast, we share our highs and our lows. And sometimes we get feedback that we're complaining too much. And I think, but I think that for me, I want to follow someone because they're really real and I can relate to the, both their struggles and like the good yeah. parts of their life. It's also hard to share the more negative things. Like you're yeah. just more inclined to want to take a photo or share something positive than being yeah. like, I'm really fucking everything up today. Like my best is not that good today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I had an incident a few, month like maybe a month ago where oh my god I somehow got a 12 hour layover at Newark airport which I'm sorry I think that's worth complaining about like like yes hashtag blessed to be able to go to London but like I'm complaining not because I'm not grateful to be able to travel but I'm complaining because because of the layover because of the layover I missed a full day with my kids because it was a Sunday and so like people were like oh you're complaining about like this flight experience and I'm like yeah I'm complaining because like I'm pissed. I'm pissed that like I was supposed to like I did this to like shorten my work trip so that I could like land in London, get my work done and get back. But I could have this 12 hours. I could have been at the playground with my kids and like I don't know. So I just feel like it's important to like share your real experience um, and not feel like you have to like pretend that everything's perfect all the time because like that's how we kind of set ourselves up for failure. I think if we are kind of keeping up this appearance of like everything being perfect it also makes the comparison game so much harder where you're like oh wow everyone's perfect except for me and that's definitely not true it's just that a lot of people aren't sharing that yeah like I remember when I was pregnant with Tao my son and I was talking to a friend and she was like two is so great two is like you're gonna love it two is like really hard it's not like double the work I would say it's like 10 times the work and afterwards I like saw my friend and I was like it was going to be like so complicated she was like oh well I just worried that if I told you like you know I don't know like I just I didn't want to tell like tell you scare you and I'm like I would so much rather know how hard something is like going into it versus being like oh it's gonna be so great like it's so much harder yeah so I think we're going to talk a little bit about work right now, but along the lines of like keeping things really real, mm-hmm. can you think of a career mistake that you've made and maybe what you learned from it? A uh, career mistake that I've made. Um, I don't know. I think that I've tried a, a lot of different careers. Um, I, mm, I, I can't think of like an, like a solid mistake mistake but I do wish that I had learned to express my opinions and speak my mind earlier in my career and also take maybe more control over my career um 
earlier on. I think that when I was a magazine editor and I was at Elle at the time, you know, I always loved beauty. I always loved writing. Um, there was a time when I was switched over to the fashion department because like people thought I would do well in the fashion department. Guess what? I didn't. Not because I, you know, didn't have a semi interest in fashion, but because like I knew like I'm a better writer and I'm not like, I don't know that personality wise at the time I like was not strong enough, but like I just felt like I saw a side of the fashion world that was like, just didn't jive with me. I'm Mm -hmm. fundamentally like, I don't want drama. I literally like at the end of the night, I want to read my like, save me the plums, like (laughs) cooking autobiography. Like I want to read my YA, Mm -hmm. want to drink my cup of tea. I've always been that way. Like literally like my husband and I met when we were 20 and like what we used to do for dates is literally go with a book. We would both go to a restaurant. We both like read our books and like talk about our books. Like at, uh, we met at Oxford University. That like, sounds wonderful. Isn't it amazing? Mm-hmm. Like if we didn't have like two very young children and never basically go out on dates like and didn't have like the like work kind of like like, you know, on our minds all the time, like that's what we would do. I literally am like, I can't wait until we retire and that's what we're going to do again. We're going to sit and eat like prunes and whatever else old people eat <laughs> like, and talk about whatever book we have implanted into our eyeball. No, we're we're, we're still going to read print books. Um and so I feel like I just never really was kind of the mean girl or like never – and we all have friends, not even in the fashion world or in like the kind of magazine space. We all have friends who like like drama, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they thrive on it. They think it's like fun. Um, and I think the fashion industry, it's not that they like drama or they're like mean people. It's just like a dramatic field. And I think that I should have – stayed in beauty maybe but then that said it's like what I learned from that is like um helped me when I was at like you know other jobs like I learned that like I like to write more than mm-hmm. anything else yeah sometimes you have to make the mistake in order to yeah. figure out what you actually want yeah I'm trying to think of like a real mistake though because I just I also feel like I have that kind of personality where it's like I just kind of like not bounce back but like anytime like something bad happens or something stressful happens. I'm like, okay. And then I take like one beat to like lose my mind. And then like one minute later, I'm just like kind of, I make a list. I start planning and like kind of think of like plans B through Z. Mm-hmm. Like um, that's just always been my personality. And I think part of it is because as a child of immigrants, like you, you see how um, I saw how my parents, how resourceful my parents had to be. Like I'm going through this like school admissions process now and it's like literally like crumpling my soul into like a teeny <laughs> tiny ball of like smeared exhaustion. That sounded gross, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and then I think to the fact that my parents were immigrants who who English was not their first language, still isn't, and they were able to do it. Yeah. And so I think that sense of like resilience mm-hmm. is uh, was instilled in me from them. Do you believe in horoscopes? Uh, yeah. Okay, because you're very similar to mine. Um, my birthday is September 27th, and I just looked yours up, and it's the 24th. Uh-huh. So you're very similar. I think we're, like, on the cusp of Virgo, yeah. but we're both Libras. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the best combination. It is, it is because we like the list, but we also like balance, and yeah. we're, like, pretty go with the flow. Yeah. I think, like, Libras love, like, the arts and, like, nature and things to be kind of, like, smooth and, like, 
not like, you know, thrashy. Mm-hmm. And then the Virgo is literally like, okay, let's talk about the process. Let's talk about the checklist. And this I'm one's like, a Virgo. It's so. a very yeah. Virgo-y Virgo. Yeah. And so like I'm into it. I, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful to have a cuspy birthday. And yeah. I feel like the two signs. They're my oh. favorite two signs. Yeah. I feel like I'm more into the Enneagram than I need to do that. You haven't done it yet? It's really interesting. I think it's I really did it, but like a long time ago. Is this the thing that's like, you are the helper, you are the yeah, giver? Yeah, it's like you're a number, you're – what are, like, we're uh, the same thing, right? I want to like find my laptop and look it up because yeah. I feel like I feel like I was like the sharer or something like very like okay that's like super cliche and expected yeah but I I, I do think you also have to do that test every few years because like you change it yeah. changes yeah I'm gonna do it again you've motivated me I don't know when I'm gonna do it but I'm gonna do it again because isn't it like 99 questions. There's a shorter There's one, a but short yes, one. it is long. We no. did it at a dinner, like because I didn't know mine. I did it like I did the paid version that was like 146 oh, wow. questions, oh, wow. and it was like 100 dollars because I was like, if you're gonna do it, you want to do yeah, it right. Maybe this is yeah. like Virgo of me. I'm like, like I have to do it the right way. I have to like figure it out, and then um, I re- and then you get like a 27 page report, like literally <laughs> like a crazy. Report. I felt victimized by mine because oh. it. It was just – it knew all of my bad qualities okay. in, to see them written out on paper but also to identify that, yes, that's absolutely true. Okay. I was like, oh, wow, this thing sees me. Yeah. You also just were talking about the personality test that says all your bad things. Oh, no. That's the um, the disc. Have you ever done that at a job? No. It's like the it sounds, job – the work version of the Enneagram. Oh. I'm scared of it. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait, speaking of work, mm-hmm. so a lot of people wanted to know your advice for either starting out in your career or somebody specifically asked when you're hiring somebody, what's the important, most important thing that you look for? So when I'm hiring someone, I don't really care where they went to college. That's good. So like you don't have to talk about that because I genuinely like what I'm looking for is I would say like probably what I'm looking for is like energy is which sounds super new age attitude attention to detail like a can do kind of spirit um a few months ago i met this young woman who was still in college at the time and talking to her um she just had this energy that she was like on top of it unflappable would get stuff done like really entrepreneurial wouldn't have to ask her to like take on a project she would just do it mm-hmm. um and I hired her, you know, it's like, I, I, I really am looking for self-starters and yep. what, what I don't like, I can say is like, I'm always looking for like really positive people. Like, I think that especially in a workplace, it's really important to surround yourself with people who give you energy and who will like lend you their energy and who will, um, help and be positive and affirmative versus someone who's the first thing they say is something negative or something that they is bad. Yeah. Like I, I am definitely looking for glasses half full type people, um, which is hard because I think, I do think that's something people are born with um, mm-hmm. sometimes, but I do, I just find that to be so, make such a big difference in the workplace to be surrounded by people who have like positive energy. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Let's take another quick sponsor break. So this episode is also sponsored by Equilibria and I love this sponsor. So over the past couple months, I've 
definitely become a super fan of their products. If you follow me on Instagram, you see that like I travel with it. I take it everywhere. It really helps me to both fall asleep and stay asleep. So Equilibria is a medical grade CBD company created by women for women, um, though men can take it too. Their products are all made on an organic farm in Colorado with a focus on quality ingredients. My favorite thing about Equilibria is the hands-on service that you get when you order from them. So when you place an order, you'll be paired with a dosage consultant who will help you figure out the right routine. When I started working with them, I consulted with their dosage expert. I told them my two biggest problems, which are sleep and period cramps. So the dosage expert gave me a little program. I take the daily drops right before bed. I get asked about this a lot. I take half of a dropper of the um, the 300 milligram drops. And then I take a soft gel to help me fall asleep. So originally I was taking the 10 milligram soft gel, but now I take the 25 milligram soft gel. And that like made a huge, huge difference with sleep. The relief cream is actually incredible. So this is great for cramps. You can use it if you have a stomach ache. You can use it on sore muscles. I've talked about it so much, but I wanted to read a cute DM that I got about it. So this person wrote, I bought the relief cream and I used it for the first time when I had bad period cramps. Not only did my cramps subside quickly, my stomach area felt so good that it was hard to describe. Almost like there was no inflammation anymore and I had just run 100 miles and done a juice cleanse or something. So I loved that comment and I feel the same way. It just, it feels so good going on. The other thing I wanted to share is that Things I Bought and Liked, aka Tybal, is also a fan. She started sharing it. She shared my posts with her audience. And the fact that she endorses this makes me really happy because I like to think that we're similar and that we just both are very, very um, picky about what we'll recommend and we'll only talk about like just the best stuff. So the fact that Tybal loves this makes me very happy. So again, I've been using these products for a couple months. My sleep is getting better. My cramps are so much better. I've been taking it everywhere. I take it on the road with the live shows, on vacation. It just always helps me to sleep. I have a big blog post about CBD on my blog, so their team answered all of your questions if you have more questions. But in the meantime, if you go to equilibriawoman.com and enter code BOP at checkout, you'll get 15% off your first order. The beginner box is not included in this. That's BOP for 15% off. Now back to the episode. Okay, so we're going to do a bunch of quick fashion questions. Okay. Um, what was your first investment purchase? My first investment purchase, or my first big purchase, I should say, was a pair of Miu Miu shoes. Um, I remember buying them at Barney's. It was 2001 or 2002, maybe 2002, and they were black kitten heel slingbacks with like a contrast white stripe. I remember like the exact, I remember the way the bar, that Barney smelled when I, when I bought it. Do like, you still have those? Those sound like they no, could have circled down around. They're, they're like super now, yeah. like super, super now. My dog, um, or the dog that my parents and I share, Otto, was a puppy and he ate them. Oh, wow. I, I should have kept like the one that he didn't eat, but yeah. I just was like so like heartbroken that I just, and then the other big thing is like this Chanel bag that my mom had. Um, Notice the had past tense because I have <laughs> present tense it now. And I think I borrowed it when I was in like college for a formal. I just never gave it back. Yeah, I like Love that. It's a good. It's Ren's really gonna good. do that. That's to you gonna someday. yeah. Oh, it's I'm gonna like come full totally, circle. Totally, totally like in big trouble with Ren and purses because she already does that. She'll like go in and be like, "Mommy, can I use this bag for my Hatchimals?" And I'm like. 
that is an Hermes bag. No, let me put that on a higher shelf. That's yeah. so funny. Well, how often do you purge your closet? Are I you a saver? I'm a saver for um, purses, especially, mm-hmm. and um, purses especially, and sometimes shoes. But like lately, I would say in the last two years, I've really kind of pivoted towards like buying classic, boring pieces. Um, and then when it comes to trend pieces, it's like, I'll have fun with it. I don't know. I'm just like really into like, maybe it's like the result of working at Instagram where it's like, everything's very casual, like hoodie, the, like hoodie cliche and cargo pants cliche. It's like true, mm-hmm. um, where it's like just a really casual culture. Um, so I most often am wearing a permutation of an outfit I'm wearing now, which is like t-shirt jeans, like some sort of blazer. Um, I've been buying a lot of like vintage this sounds super fancy, but like vintage like Chanel jackets, like tweed, amazing. Mm-hmm. Love that. Kind of vintage Chanel. Um, and like really like going on deep dives trying to find like cool ones. Um, but they're like a fraction, like one tenth of the cost of what they are. Oh. So where do you look for them? I'm not telling you. Okay. Well, Sorry. that's rare. Uh, but that's probably I also smart. have like I'll ask um, you offline. We're not the yeah. same size. So I it's also fun. <laughs> I also have um like people, women this woman who works in a consignment shop and she like has like a source and then she'll text me when she has something. Oh, and oh, so like good. to the point where literally like I'll send it to a friend. If it doesn't fit me, I'll be like, I oh, got this amazing. I feel like some yeah. sort of like drug mule. I just watched Breaking Bad like the movie last night. <laughs> so you're I, like breaking, you're I am like Jesse Pinkman. No, I'm kidding. Like oh, I am Jesse the Walter Pinkman White. I am the Walter White of Chanel jackets. Um, no, that's going to be the quote that comes from this. It's um, <laughs> amazing. Great. That's going to be um, the headline of yeah. the podcast. Yeah, I am the Walter White. <laughs> oh, Wait, oh, I'm going to ask you my favorite question. Mm-hmm. That list- This was a listener question. She asked, how do you incorporate your love of Harry Potter into your everyday style? <gasps> Maybe not into my everyday style, but just into my everyday. Like, literally – I don't know. Like, I get very like I'm afraid to talk about Harry Potter because I'm afraid I'm gonna like start crying oh, because I, feel I just feel way. very like emotional about yeah. it. Because I think that w- the reason why I love it so much um, is because I think kids have like this like endless capacity to like just believe in magic and believe that like good things are on the horizon, but also to like are very adaptable, right? And I feel like what jk did so well is like and I, i'm talking about her like i know her by the way which i don't i've never met her i, I have no right to call her by her first name but anyway um oh i feel like we're friends because of twitter it's really oh, yeah, social yeah. media just brings yeah. people together but i just feel like <laughs> it's applicable in so many different parts of our lives like if my coworker virginia and i if we like meet someone and they're kind of negative or they're kind of like rude, we'll be like, well, that person was a dementor. Like we literally just like <laughs> yeah. do it all the time. Like it's just um, – I'm going to start saying that. Yeah. Like people are like dementors or they're patronuses. Like it's like – so it's like, you know, it's yeah. like it's good. It's good to have someone who's like a guardian for you, like a patronus. Yeah. Um, I use the word apparate all the time. Every time I like am at an airport, I'm like, God, I wish like I could apparate. But then one of my followers like DM me and was like, actually, you can't apparate between countries. So maybe you're talking more about oh. like the flu network or a port key. And I was like, I love my followers on Instagram. They're the best. <laughs> That's they're really, wonderful. They're really good at Friends references and um, Harry Potter references. How often do you reread Harry Potter? I, I, I went through a phase where I reread it once a year. But okay. right now, like I'm um, I, I haven't. I'm on like I kind of stopped at book three this year and I haven't gotten to more just because I've been so right. like, stretched thin. And I'm also like maybe I just need to stop rereading the exact same like, you know, seven part series and like 
expand my horizons, hence save me the plums. Right. And um, I'm, look- I'm always looking for more books to read. Um, but I also spend so much time reading to my kids that it mm-hmm. takes away from like personal reading. But I do think like with kids, that's the best thing you can do as a parent is read in fr- your own books in front of your kids. Not your own books, like the ones you've written. But just, like <laughs> like and if you, they see you enjoying something, they will want to do it too. That's so interesting. My mom was a big reader and I wonder if that has had an impact on. Of course, it definitely has. Me being a big yeah. reader. Because yeah, I more so attribute it to being an only child and so I didn't have siblings so I had Oh books. no, I was the oldest and I had to escape from my sisters so I would go read. Yeah. But I my think, mom was a big reader too. Yeah, I think it's like when you see your parents doing something, it validates it as a behavior, especially mm-hmm. at a young age. And so um, Ren, like I said earlier, she she can't read yet. She's only four, like she's turning five um, in a few months. But I can tell that like once she knows how to read, like the whole world is going to be opened up to her. And my son, like Tao, like Tao loves to look at pictures and point out numbers and things he notices too. And like that's something that my husband and I feel really strongly about encouraging. Yeah. Um, back to the fashion though. Mm-hmm. Somebody wanted to know what are your favorite up and coming or under the radar designers? You were just at Fashion Week. I, I was know just who at you're, Fashion who you're Week. About. Um, so let's see. There is an American designer. Um, I don't know if he's under the radar because he's kind of blown up, but his line is called Pierre Moss, P-Y-E-R-M-O-S-S. Well, I don't know him, so okay, under there the we radar go. to me. His name, um, his, he is this just really talented like designer and I would almost say activist as well because he talks – he's um, a black man and he talks a lot about like – he's not afraid to talk about like politics or um, he has a T-shirt that says – Ladies, ignore all advice that starts with ladies, or ignore all advice that starts <laughs> oh, with ladies, that. which is so true. That's such a great shirt. You, I need that shirt. Yeah, anytime you think about like anything that's like ladies, why don't we blah blah blah? It's always like oh god, like and it's true. So he um, wears his like kind of statements on his sleeve, and I like he had an amazing show in New York um, in um, Brooklyn at the King's Theater, mm-hmm. and there was like a gospel choir, and it like really was about like the influence of um, rock and roll and black culture. And I was just really moved by it. Um, and I think he's so talented. Um, there is a young designer in England called uh, Regina Piao, P-Y-O, P-Y-J-O. There are all sorts of like letters in there, but she is just really cool, creates like just really cool wearable clothes. Of course, Ghani, do you guys know the brand oh, yeah. Ghani? Obsessed with Ghani. Yeah. Um, because I feel like what Ghani has done is made like fashion accessible mm-hmm. um like cool fashion that like is accessible and like the price point is attractive absolutely of course um well regina pio is not as expensive as i expected I'm i like how you're like it. literally looking at it this now. is what i do is i online shop while we interview people that's like, perfect mm, that's a like dream this. job yeah. um yeah so she's amazing um there's a brand called 16 arlington in london and it's like kind of like going out clothes it's like sparkly oh i need more of that yeah it's like fun and sparkly there's a suit brand based out of i want to say russia called oh this feather peplum there we go emerald green there we go adds a cart coming Um, soon to an instagram near you there's a brand called uh based out of russia called like les le yanebo y-e-n-e-b-o i think they make amazing suits and I am super into suit dressing. I feel like it's like a backlash to like whatever 
everything's going on. Women just like want to wear suits and like it's a look. It's like boom. You mm-hmm. have like all you have to do is worry about what shirt to wear or maybe you don't wear a shirt and you like Bianca Jagger. In. I don't know. Shirt no. for day, no shirt no. for night. No, 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 you need a shirt. I need a shirt. I need a shirt. Yeah. I I got into suits this year too and I yeah. never real I I was always just like I'm out of the corporate workforce. I never need to do this again. No, but I need, to, I, I need wear. to show you this Instagram because it's like yeah, you need a suit but maybe it needs to be like olive green or like lime green. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, you want a suit, but maybe it can be like hot pink. I don't know. Let's go crazy. Yes. Um, there's also a brand called Raciel, R-A-C-I-L. And the other suit brand, and I met them when I was in Mexico. Um, it's called Contro Collection, C-O-N-T-R-O, Contro Collection. And it's just this woman who's based in Mexico City who makes like amazing suits and she can make anything. Ooh. Well, I now have 15 tabs open. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. I'm ready, I'm ready to shop tonight. Yes, let's do yeah, it. And they're all on that aporte, which we can just order that with that thing that comes tomorrow. So that's the thing that comes to You know oh, they have the same day delivery. Same day oh delivery. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Porte premiere. Premiere. Like, what that, do you I was know like, well, about Netaporte that I don't know? I yeah. couldn't remember what it was called. It's so convenient. Oh, it's I almost love it. like too convenient. And then like now on Instagram they do I don't know, like there was something called Instagram checkout where you can if you once you enter your credit card information and oh, your no. address in the settings once and it's saved securely, blah, blah, oh, blah. No. But for certain brands like Netaporte, Warby Parker, Adidas, H and M, Zara, Balmain, Burberry. Like you press one button to click to it's check out. It's too easy. So you literally see something from Netaporte on Instagram, and you tap add to bag, and then you tap the button check out on Instagram, and you're done. You don't even leave Instagram. I need more barriers. It's super, it's super <laughs> Save dangerous. Save me from yeah. myself. I think yeah. I, I think it would be great if we had like some sort of pin code. I think there is a pin code, like an mm. optional pin code, mm. to be like, are you sure you want to buy this two thousand dollar Oscar de la Renta bag with like one click? Yes, yes you do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, wait. We have one beauty question. I don't want to make you go through your whole routine. Okay. What is a beauty product that you're absolutely obsessed with right now? Um, hmm. I like – there's a face wash from – okay, so I I think I said earlier that I just started washing my face again after four – and a half years of not washing my face because I've had like a child. Well, you two, two children. Can I don't wash this my one... face, but I don't have children to blame it on. Okay, you need to start washing. I your just face. have really sensitive skin, and usually when I use a face wash, it like wreaks havoc. Okay, I started using. Well, I I do this like at first I do a pre cleanse with cleansing water, and then I wash my face, and I've been using like balm based cleansers, and there's one from Elemis that I like. I think it's called like cleansing balm mm-hmm. they have a great cleansing yeah balm. and it kind of like you put it on and then it like kind of washes off milky and it's really nice and it leaves your skin so soft i like that product there's a skincare product called augustinus bader oh my god you're preaching the choir over it's there like, i'm like their biggest fan it's yeah, my favorite it's so good guys people get mad they leave reviews saying please expensive. stop talking about that cream yeah it's expensive it is expensive it's fans it's fancy I do think it has made a really big difference in my skin and clarity. Um, And then what other product am I really into? Oh, I roll my face a lot. It's not like Oh, I love that. Do you keep yours in the freezer? No, but maybe I should. But I think I would forget about it. No, it's a separate product. Get an ice roller. Yeah. I use this one called Refa, R-E-F-A. And it's kind of the shape of a heart. Um, And it's not just like two balls on a stick, which sounds kind of like gross. But this is it, the same one Cindy Crawford has. She was talking about this in her episode. <laughs> is it like flat it's, and kind of... Yeah, it's the two metallic balls. The one I have is from Rifa, but it's like two metallic balls, but it's also it's flat. 
No, they have one that's like oh. even upgraded from that. Okay, Cindy has the one with the two look balls. Up Rifa. That looks like a vibrator if look I've at, ever seen Look at one. the word. I want Rifa this. carrot, like a diamond carrot, C-A-R-A-T, okay. and see if it comes up. It's flat. It's kind of shaped like a heart because it also has like something so that you can do gua sha. No, that's not it. Okay, oh, okay. just look we'll up Rifa. It. Look up shopping. You'll see it. I know it's sold on Nordstrom only okay. because – I had a follower like desperately ask me where it was from, and I think I found it on Nordstrom. Okay, but it's it's slightly more expensive than the one you're showing me. Oh. Sorry, That's... but because there are diff- more ways you can use it, and you can use it, also use it for acupressure pressure because there's a pointy end. Mm. Um, I like it. No, keep going, keep going. <laughs> there's only these on Nordstrom. Wait. Okay, then then maybe I you like, sold it out. Maybe I sold it out. Okay, I'm gonna send it to you tonight. It's we'll flat. Find out. Okay, I know it's from Rifa. Like I'm 100. Okay. It's like kind of flat and heart shaped. And the, the balls are, like, on each end of the heart. And then the point you can kind of use. And then there's a curvy cutout part that you can use to kind of contour your face with. Oh. Love it. Amazing. Yeah. Very interesting. And then lately I've been, like, I, I get facials from this woman called Joanna Check. Oh, I love She's her. She's, like, amazing. And then I started – when I was in Paris, like, my friend Lauren recommended this – acupuncture facialist and she sticks like needles in your face and then puts an led light but then she also does this like inter mouth massage where she puts on rubber gloves and then she sticks oh, I saw that hand. on your story yeah she sticks her hands like almost where your nose meets your like eye socket like that far up and pulls up and down i want this it's an experience okay her name is elaine hunt hunt singer and she just like like it's weird because she she'll the first time I did it with her, she showed me half my face afterwards. And half my face, I was like, oh, my God. Like, Cindy Crawford, watch out. Like, and I'm, like, a supermodel. Oh my and then God. the other half, I was like, I'm the Joker. <laughs> like, stop. You know, it was, like, yeah. not good. Okay. Um, but I, I do believe – but, like, honestly, with beauty, 99% of it is, like, lifestyle, diet, genetics. Mm-hmm. Maybe not 99%. I would say, like, 90%. It like, is. a lot of it is what what are you putting in your body – are you getting sleep? Because it's like lately I haven't been getting a lot of sleep. I see it in my face. And then, um, you know, what are you eating? Are you exercising? Because mm-hmm. I do feel like exercise like makes a difference in like your complexion too. Totally. I think something about sweating just like. Yeah, sweating mm-hmm. and like the blood circulation and moving around. Movement is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we have a few last random questions for you. I'm excited to know the answer to this one. Um, I know that you read a lot of YA. What are your top three series? I need a new book. Oh, so, uh, so have you read Throne of Glass by Sarah Mass? I haven't. Okay, so it's a seven or eight book series. Okay. Um, Someone, the publisher, sent me that, and I was like, "This is too many books. It's, it's like so took good, up though. so much space." Oh my god, okay. it's so good. Okay, so. Um, we already talked about Six of Crows from Lee Bardugo, which is like amazing. Um, and it's being made into, I think, a Netflix Ooh, series. Oh, I can't wait. And they announced the casting of it. And Ben Barnes, who was in like all the Narnia movies, is in it. Um, it's great. Okay. I highly suggest that because it's always good. I always like to read something before it comes out on mm-hmm. screen. I think that's like super important. Yeah. Um, but but okay. Ben Barnes is cute, right? Oh, he's so, my age. So, th- so Throne he's of probably Gl- like married with five kids. So Throne of Glass is by Sarah Mass. Um, basically, it's about like a, a an assassin um, called Selena Sardothian, which is just like a badass name. I use the word badass again, even though I kind of don't like that word. And it's just about like it starts out as a simple 
girl goes to a castle to be like a, like an assassin kind of competition, Hunger Games esque situation. But like every book, there's another layer to it. Like I promise you, you will like. It. I'm gonna like, start it. This sounds like I'm gonna lose a year of my life. It, you will. They're very readable. Like, okay. You can read the whole nine book series in like a summer or like faster. You you will race. Grace, the you books. read like seven books a month. True. Yeah, you'll true. read them very, very quickly. And then like, I think she's created this amazing world that I'm like, it's I don't want to say like, oh, I always feel like Tolkien and like George R. R. Martin people are like, oh, they created these great fantasy worlds. Yeah. And I'm like, why aren't people talking more about like women writers who do that? Like Ursula Le Guin, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I think in YA, I think people kind of poo poo it because it's like, maybe more commercial or because of the success of books like Hunger Games. But I just think there's like, it's 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 great. Yeah. You need so much creativity to, yeah. to do a YA series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always so impressed by any magic series because you have to invent the rules of magic. Yeah. yeah. There's a book called The Queen of the Tearling. Have you read that? No. Um, okay, so it's not really YA. It's it's more adult, but it's you would think it's YA but it, because there's a teen protagonist. But Queen of the Tearling, I don't remember who wrote it. We'll look it up and put it in the show notes. Um, but she's mm-hmm. great. Um, that book is great. It's a trilogy. The first book is amazing. <clears throat> the first book is amazing. Emma Watson optioned it and then I think is set to star in it. Ooh. Um, it's really good. Okay. It's really, really good. It takes you from like it's dystopian but also you're not sure if it's past or present but it's a little bit of both. I really mm-hmm. love that series. I might reread that, but that's like a heavier read. Okay. Like sometimes you just want to read about like, like a like a fairy like murdering like and like assassinating bad people. So you're very into dystopian YA. Less into dystopian because we are living in dystopia right mm-hmm. now, right now. But like more into kind of like fantasy. I mm-hmm. guess. Have you read the selection? Yes. That's I basically this- why we started the podcast. It is. Oh, really? Because we yeah. used to do a YA book club. Oh. Yeah. And that was the first book because we yeah. both got so sucked into it. Yeah. I've read this selection. I've read like pretty much I feel like my I'm known for liking YA. So yeah. a lot of people like send me YA or bring me books at my book mm-hmm. signings. Um I've read like almost all of them and I actually am going in reverse from YA. Like the category before YA is like middle grade. Yeah. Right. And then before yeah. that is like early reader. And then like, and I'm basically going now to middle grade mostly because at some point I'd love to write like a middle grade book. Like yeah. YA, I don't know if I can do, but like yeah. middle grade maybe I can do. Okay. Um, someone asked, what will Tom do once he creates the perfect granola? That is a great question. So my <laughs> husband, Tom, for those of you guys who don't follow is um, like, I would say, I don't know what's past a PhD, but like he has a PhD in granola. He's just always loved granola and had an appreciation mm. for granola. I don't know what it is. And so recently we started doing these things called like Tom Talks where it's like he would like just make these like comments about granola and I'd be like, this is so funny. Like I need to share this on my stories. And so he started doing Tom Talks on granola. Then I was like, this is ridiculous. Like you should make your <laughs> granola because like he, he would rate granola and give it a score from one to 10. And then I was like, what's your perfect 10? And so we're now trying to make it together. Mm-hmm. Well, he does, he makes it. I just document the process. When he makes this, actually what was funny is once someone sent me a story and I guess Kevin Hart did a fake Tom talk. 
Oh my like, on wine, Aniko Hart, his wife, like on Instagram, had had Kevin like sipping wine, and Aniko was like, "Do a Tom talk," and I was like, "I'm pretty what? sure like this is oh a my Tom God. reference." I screen grabbed it. It was like really a moment. Um, yeah. But anyway, so once he makes his perfect ten, I'm like, "You should make it and sell it." Absolutely. Yeah. No, like we've been talking about it for like a year. It's going to be really good when what's, he gets there. But he, we're only at like we're so far from perfecting. Oh, that was recipe. my question. Is like, what's the highest score that's been achieved? He. That from the granola he's made, probably like an eight. Okay. But he's not okay. going to rest until he gets to a ten. He's a Virgo, guys. Like you know, oh, I yeah. get that. Yeah, he's it's it's got to be perfect. Yeah. He should spend some time with my mom. She makes the best granola. What's the secret? Is it honey? Is it like molasses? Is it syrup? I'm going to email you. Okay. I don't know. I'll tell you guys in the show notes too. Okay. But she makes just. Her granola. She gives me mason jars of it, and I love thousands it. of my followers and his followers have like. DM'd him with like their recipes. Oh, I don't want to add to that. No, but no, I'll, you I'll should give do you a recipe because he literally it. reads them, okay. and then like every weekend we'll like take some feedback and like kind of put it in and like try it. Okay. Yeah. For his birthday this year, I bought him like granola supplies, like making supplies. <laughs> I bought him like storage containers to keep the sugar oh and the like, syrup, and then I bought him like the perfect pan to bake granola with. I bought him parchment paper. Um, it's like it's. It's funny because he's a little bit more reserved, yeah. but, like, he gets very excited about granola. I love that. And, like, he, he loves talking about books, too. Like he, But he reads very different books from me. He reads, I mean, like, it's, super it, serious books. It's beneficial to you to live with a man who makes the perfect granola. I don't really eat granola oh, that weird. much. Mm. I know. Okay. I literally will, like, nibble on it, but he will eat it by, like, like the bat. He can eat a bat. He can, like, go through a bag in, like, a night. But okay. I will, like, nibble on it if I'm hungry, but not really. I, I'm a fruit person. Yeah. Okay. People might not be surprised to learn. I like to mix it with, like, a little Greek yogurt and some fruit. I don't do yogurt. Oh, okay. Mm, I know. I don't really yeah. do dairy. Okay. Let's take one more quick sponsor break. So, guys, we have a new sponsor today. And I get so excited when we bring on sponsors where it's something I've been using for years and years. And that is the case with this one. So today's episode is actually brought to you by Away. Away creates thoughtfully designed travel essentials, including their beloved suitcase that literally everyone I know uses. And they make my favorite leather carryall, which is called their everywhere bag. So, you know, I'm actually a new convert, but I have seriously road tested mine because we were traveling all through October. We took five trips in October. So this new suitcase definitely got to work out. But I got the gray one, but they also come in a huge range of really cute colors. And I couldn't decide what color I wanted. So I panicked and I went with a neutral. But like, could I pull off a cute pink suitcase? No, I'm, I love you. But neutral is good. It's classic. It goes with everything. I, I mean, I'm an OG. I've I have the neutrals as well. I have a gold one that was a limited edition, and I have the, I think it's called the sand color. I've had my away suitcases for years. Um, It's actually been four years. I have a carry-on, and I have a larger suitcase. And then more recently, I bought the leather everywhere everywhere bag. It's like exactly what I was looking for. So I really like that the suitcases are lightweight, but the shell is hardcore. So it's very durable. It stands up. And if it gets like a scuff mark, you can just use a magic eraser to, to wipe that off. I can't believe you ha- you've had yours for four years. They look so good. Yeah, they do. I mean, you know how I am. I, I definitely have taken the magic eraser to them, but they, they hold up really well. So can I tell you a few things that really sold me on a way off the bat outside of how good the suitcase looks? Yeah. 
Okay, so first, I really like the compression system, and they work really, really well. Like, they work way better than other suitcases I've tried that just have those clasps or a zip. Like, you can jam a lot in there. Yeah, you can. The other thing I really like is that they have a limited lifetime warranty, so they'll fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged. And Honestly, that means a ton to me if I'm going to invest in a nicer piece of luggage because I'm really hard on my luggage and I want it to last. A couple other cool things you should know. First of all, they have free shipping. That's really nice because I bet shipping a suitcase could be really expensive. Or if you want to check it out in person, they also have stores in New York, Austin, L.A., San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, and now London. Guys, I really want to redo our travel episode because I'm obsessed with my new Away suitcase and I want to talk about it. I mean, I more. But if you've been wanting an Away suitcase, we have an offer. You can take $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com backslash BOP and enter code BOP at checkout. So again, go to awaytravel.com slash BOP and enter code BOP at checkout. Back to the episode. Okay, this next question is from me. Okay. Because I love following all of your hotel room tours. Yes. Um, What's the best hotel you've ever stayed in? Um, hmm. okay. So I don't, I don't know if this hotel is still open. It's been a really long time, but for our honeymoon, we went to the Maldives we stayed at a hotel called Coco Island. And I don't know if it was because we were on our honeymoon or just because it's still open. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my friend actually does their PR. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. Maybe. That was where Crystal You want to go back? Yeah, maybe we need to go back. I <laughs> yeah. don't know, and do a hotel room tour there. I don't know. I think you should. Our friend Crystal Bick was just on a press trip there, and I remember seeing Coco all over her from, in so the Maldives. Funny. Yeah, like – It so looks incredible. It was so nice, and it wasn't, like, because so nice because it was, like, super fancy and, like – Yeah. You know, because some hotels you don't feel comfortable in because mm-hmm. they're too fancy. It was just nice and beautiful. It rained half the time, but it was just – I just haven't been anywhere that, like, naturally beautiful yeah. before. Um, I stayed at a hotel this London fashion week called the Rosewood, and they did this thing, and I don't know if it's this is a standard thing, where they, like, unpacked my suitcase for me. Oh. What? I know. And some people are like, that's weird. I don't want people touching my stuff. I'm like, Do it touch for me. it. Did yeah. they pack it yeah. for you, too? They offered to pack it for me, but I had a very specific method because mm. one of my suitcases was going to Paris and one was Got going it. home with me. But, like, literally, they were like, oh, Madame, we're happy to unpack for you. And I was oh, like, that's my dream. Do it. Yes, please. And so literally I like went out, got like like a cup of coffee, not coffee. Like I literally went to the restaurant and like ate a meal, came back, and everything was unpacked for me. Oh, that's amazing. It was like the best experience. It was impeccable service. Like really, it was really, really nice. How many suitcases? Sorry, I'm getting personal. How many suitcases did you have on that trip? Because I was watching your outfits. Through uh, two large Ramoa trunks, like okay. they're not. You know how most suitcases are shaped like re- like rectangles. Yeah, these are shaped almost more like square. Like they're more square, mm-hmm. so they're like trunk shaped, which I actually find better for Fashion Week. Um, because like to be able to pa- the ability to have height helps. Mm-hmm. So two large Ramoa kind of I think they're called like the extended trip or something like okay. that, and then. Uh, one carry-on. So the unpacking really helps in that yeah, case. Yeah, the unpacking really helps. Yeah. Um, and so – and then I had a whole system this time because I, like, was going from London to Paris for meetings, back to New York, back to – then to San Francisco, then to Paris Fashion Week. And so I, when I went to London Fashion Week, I went with two large suitcases, left one and came back with one. Mm. And then when I flew back, I flew back with two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
So we'll end on this question. I love this. Somebody said, you always seem so full of joy. What are your best tips for staying positive? I mean, well, I'm not always full of joy, but I do feel like fundamentally like I'm wired in a more optimistic way. Like, I don't know if that's like brain chemistry or what's going on. Maybe it's like the cod liver oil that I've been taking for all these years. I don't know. I feel like because, you know, living in New York, you're surrounded by so many different people from so many different walks of life. And then also the fact that like I've just always – been raised with an awareness that things can change that mm-hmm. I, I I don't feel like I take things for granted um, and I feel like just positivity will always help a situation like be helpful in any situation yeah. um, and so I think perspective is really important like I, we are so incredibly lucky to live in the city to be I assume like right now more or less healthy besides the occasional cold or whatever I feel super lucky to have like my two children who I'm like people are like you're really obsessed with your kids and I'm like yeah I actually like like my kids and want to (laughs) hang out with them like and I frankly most of the time would rather hang out with them at night than go out like like I've become very antisocial and I'm sure this will change when they're like 10 and have sleepovers and whatever but this is like a tangent to your question but I feel like right now when they need me and they want me like I feel like I need to soak all of that up because I know it's going to change in a few years um and so I think that having the perspective that change is the only constant in life is something that helps me maintain positivity and try to make the best of a situation. But of course, I'm like human and I go through like often grouchy. Like people are always like, I saw you on – like people will DM me and be like, I saw you on the street. Like it was Saturday and you looked really grouchy so I didn't want to stop and bother you. And I'm like – I was probably like thinking about something like complex or worrying about like something um, – or like I've had this happen where I've been at the airport and people – I'm like literally like wiping vomit off of myself from like a kid throwing up on me because my kids – both my kids get airsick or like car sick. And someone will be like – it's also a timing thing. Yeah, <laughs> like if you yeah. see me like and I'm literally wiping vomit off my body and like changing my kid's diaper, that's probably not the best time. Probably not. To stop yeah. a mom. But generally I just feel like it's just pers- perspective keeps yeah. me positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have been such a great guest and you have earned you. your very own desperation minute, which is what we call it. Can you please tell people where can they find your books? Oh my God. What can they, where can you? they find you on, I assume mostly on Instagram, yeah, but like mostly on Instagram. where can they find Tom's granola? Like, okay. Oh my God. Desperation minute. Okay, 60 seconds and counting. So Juno Valentine and the fantastic fashion adventure is out October 29th. It is like, like, you know, this like, like labor of love. Um, so feel free to support it and check it out. If you have a little one or a little one that you're giving a gift to, I'd never say little girl because I think boys can enjoy it too. I'm on Instagram at evachun212. My husband is T Bannister. If you want to see like observations of like a reserved witty Englishman and his granola adventures. Um, and yeah, that's it. I mean like follow, don't follow. I'm not like, thirsting for it. But follow. You're one of my favorite people to follow Thank on Instagram. You. Yeah. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. It is so fun. Oh my gosh, Becca, was it everything you expected? And more. It was a great episode. Even more obsessed. What else are you obsessed with? Oh, okay. So this is something that you and Molly Chen introduced me to. So you were both- I feel vindicated because you're so anti-facials. Well, so you both were raving about Glow Bar, which is this new 
facial spa studio situation. It's only in Tribeca right now. And um, they have a 30-minute treatment that costs $65. And that's their own that's like their signature. That's the only thing they do. But it's tailored all to whatever your needs yeah. are. So I went last Saturday with a friend. I really liked it. I you're right. Like I'm not a facial person. I find it too expensive usually. I don't it's just not how I want to spend my time or my money. So 30 minutes, $65 is perfect. But um they um they did dermaplaning on me, and I've never done that before. And I'm really obsessed with it. I had never tried dermaplaning till I went to Globar. Now I've had it twice. Yeah. So they take like a surgical scalpel and they shave your face basically. Exactly. And so it takes off all the little hairs, but it also takes off the top layer of skin. And um, oh my God. Like, so first of all, my skin feels like a baby's butt, like no joke. But I, I think I also really noticed a difference in, I guess, the clarity or glowiness of my skin from having it done. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm obsessed with dermaplaning. But if you're in New York, I really can't recommend this enough. Um, I think it's getting really popular because I had to make a appointment two weeks in advance. But yeah. um, I'm definitely going to do it again. I, I had wanted to go to today, which is the day before our live show, and there was like one like late night appointment available. I was like, no, so I went yesterday. Yeah, it's great. So kudos to you. I'm obsessed. Yay! I'm so happy. What are you obsessed with, Grace? So my obsession this week is Candy Shop Vintage's horoscope necklaces. So full disclosure, this is my friend's brand, but I just feel like everyone should know about it because it's so cool. First of all, she um, makes her own line. So like in the past, she did like this whole French-inspired collection. Like there was this necklace with a giant croissant on it. It's like still one of my favorite statement pieces of jewelry. But this collection is all about horoscopes, which I'm obsessed with my horoscope and love being a Libra. So it, she gave me for my birthday this long pendant necklace with the Libra scales. And I just think it's so cool. And it's just really, really well done. She's so talented. Her store, if you go to Charleston, is incredible. They have the best selection of vintage jewelry around. And my mom actually works for her like one day a month. So I love this necklace. And I think that this collection that she just did is probably her strongest collection yet. It's really good. That's cool. Yeah, you saw it. I wore it to dinner last night. Oh, I didn't notice it. Yeah. What about on Instagram? What are you obsessed with there? Um, mine is, oh my gosh, my friend Ellen, who's going to come on the podcast in a few months, told me about this one. Um, his name is Ben Lenovitz. So it's B-E-N-L-E-N-O-V-I-T-Z. And this might become my go-to gift for like friends and family. Like I'm definitely getting it for my sister. He does these amazing pet portraits. And his style- Oh my God, are you going to get one of Tyrion? Well, Ellen was like, I'm getting you this of Tyrion. And I was like, I can, like, I feel bad. I don't want to have her buy it for me. It's so cool, though. Um, his style is very similar to Donald Robertson's. So it's like bright, it's colorful, it's like a little bit modern art ish. It's so cool. And he really like captures the essence of these pets. So, and I don't think they're that expensive either. I don't think he's like blown up yet. So check him out. Where are you going to put your Tyrion portrait? I don't know. I don't have a lot of room for art, so something will have to come down for that to go up. Oh, man. Um, so continuing in a theme, <laughs> mine is the founder of Globar who I met. So I went there and she was at Globar when I was there. So I sat and I was late for my appointment. So I ended up getting bumped 15 minutes. And so I sat and ended up talking to her for a while. But um, her Instagram is Rachel Lista. 
just R-A-C-H-E-L-I-S-T-A. Um, and I'm obsessed with her in person. But then she also has such a cute Instagram. She's great. You guys should all follow her. She she used to work at Birchbox. She has such a cool story. She's very personable and charming. And, like, she also has great style. Yeah, I just want to support cool female entrepreneurs who are mm-hmm. creating businesses that I like. Yeah. So I'm I'm really into her business. I'm really into her. It's a whole theme this episode. Yeah. She's also gorgeous, so that helps. But um, she's yeah. a great person to follow. Then on books, I see we have the same thing. I'll let you talk about it because I stole it from you. So mine this this um, this week is Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And I actually got to review it for Book of the Month, which was really exciting. Um, so this book, it looks – when you look at the cover, you're like, oh, that's like YA or like a cute schmaltzy romance. And it is a cute romance, but holy shit, the sex scenes in this book are so steamy. And they didn't start right away. So I kind of got blindsided halfway through the book and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, like when the real dirty talk started, I was like, oh, my God. Like I wasn't opposed to it, but I just wasn't prepared. It's cute. So It's very cute. It's It comes out in November, but it's in book of the month in as of November 1st. So yeah. if you want it, you can get it there. But I don't know when it actually releases. I think it's November 5th. Mm. I feel I was just doing a book review for my blog on it. And I feel like it's November 5th or November 6th. Yeah. Um. So it's a really cute story because it's about a woman with chronic with a chronic illness. So she has fibromyalgia. And um, it's like kind of an interesting twist on a, a romance. And the whole plot line is that she has a near-death experience and then writes this kind of bucket list to help herself get a life and um it's really cute i i loved the story i liked i liked the characters there was great sex scenes like liked it across the board it was a good weekend read yeah highly recommend yeah yeah if you are looking for something to read we have our november book club it's our book club is always the last wednesday of the month and this month we are reading we came here to forget by andrea dunlop and it's about a woman who moves to Buenos Aires and takes a new name. And she has some like horrible thing that happened in her past that she's trying to escape. And you, the whole book is spent flashing back between the past and present day. So like you're figuring out what happens to her. But then, you know, there's also a cute expat plot line. She learns to tango dance like. It's a cute book. It's a thriller book. It's really like somebody took our interests and just like mashed them together. Yeah, it's a great book. I'm so excited to talk about this one. Yeah, I read it. I was It was a very compulsive read. Like I just needed to know what happened. Yeah. So that's really great. Also, one last plug. We have our last live show tonight. It's in Dallas. If you live in Dallas and you haven't gotten a ticket and you want to come – I think there's still some left. Go to badonpaperpodcast.com backslash live. And I guess last but not least, join our Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram at badonpaperpodcast. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. I also blog every day at thestripe.com. And that's what we got for you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.